Hey, Carl, thank you for going more in-depth into Starfinder. Sounds like an interesting game. Unfortunately, I don't. I have zero time to add another game in my schedule, to be honest. I'm probably in too many games as it is. Um, you did mention Star Wars Saga. I don't remember that source book from West End Games. I'll have to look. I have a lot of the West End Games books. I don't have everything, but I've got most of it. I don't remember a Saga book. I'll have to go back and look. Because, of course, we all know D6 Star Wars is the only Star Wars system, right? Um, as far as the Collins question, the, the War of the Roses thing, I like when you talk about future projects and your game ideas and things like that on your podcast. I enjoy that kind of thing. It's much better than spoilery recaps. So may, maybe you could talk about more game ideas in the future. I'd really enjoy when you do that. Um, and as far as the unboxings go, that's, that's pretty cool. Like you say, you know, Wondering's not Merp, but what can you do? It's not Merp that left you standing. It's not Merp that left you cold. It's not Merp misunderstanding. Only not in print. We gotta play the latest version. And the Saga, to answer your question, the Saga system was a 3.5 based system published by Wizards of the Coast for Star Wars, and they had the license. It was not a bad system, and it was nominally set during the Clone Wars and, or pre-Clone Wars, right? It was set during the time of the prequels, which I know you don't understand or follow either, um, or are not part of your canon, but uh, they're part of everyone else's canon, and especially the people who make the Star Wars stuff's canon, the Disney folks. So Mickey Mouse says so, so therefore it must be. And um, it was pretty good. I played a few times. I know I had the books, and somehow I let people borrow them, and I haven't gotten them back. And I contacted someone who said, oh, I don't know what happened to it, but I'll replace it. I said, well, good luck trying to find a replacement because it's probably like in the several hundreds of dollars, that saga, you know, copy of that saga. So uh, probably so it's gone forever. But that's okay. I mean, I've been, and I've run Star Wars more, most recently. I've used Edge of the Empire, the fantasy flight game stuff with the fiddly dice that no one really likes. But then when they play it, it's really cool. So, um, yeah. And, yeah, I'll definitely want to get one ring. I was actually talking to somebody um, the other day who's like, oh, we should get together and do some gaming with some friends of ours. And uh, they kind of play D&D, but I said, hey, I have this one ring game, and then one of the people of these, one of the people is a big Lord of the Rings fan, so maybe I'll get the one ring to the table, and I definitely when Arlen uh, 
runs a game and works with my schedule, Arlen Walker from Live from Pelham's Wasteland, that is, I definitely want to jump in on one of those because I know he runs a solid one ring. I think I played in one of his games before for one ring, the previous edition. But I'd love to see how him run the latest edition. If I'm not familiar with an edition, I really like it or like to play in the game and then, uh, you know, run it myself at some point. So I should have said in the last, I know that we're running Enemy Within and Jackals, but I would say, I would say for either of them, I've been mindful of keeping things spoiler free and either of them, they're really, especially the Enemy Within has diverged from what is in the book. And that's, I think, is the beauty of that campaign is even if you hear about it, it's never going to be the same twice. And in this latest edition, they understand that there are probably people out there who played the first edition version, second edition version, probably even the adventures that were in White Dwarf way back, um, like Shadows Over Bogenhofen. But, um, and they have sidebars on how to change it for those people so they don't know what's coming. So I, I think you're pretty good in listening to those. I know that you don't like to ruin the surprise, but I don't think with these games, especially the way my players have diverged from the way it goes, I don't know if that's a spoiler in and of itself, but um, they do some off, off the beaten path type of things. So it's not spoiler, and I think the recaps are good. And like I said, I try to throw in um, anecdotes about how how the game was run or mechanical things that had happened. For example, in the Warhammer, how um, magic doesn't work like D&D magic. And that is super important. Um, and it, while mages can be powerful, and usually a PC mage can be pretty damn good, because PCs tend to be more lucky and they have meta currency, um, well, they're still not blowing things up left and right necessarily. So the the baddest of the bad are the uh, the guys who invest heavily in their melee specialty, like the duelist character, the pugilist character, and the elven knight, who are just so damn good at, at fighting in melee combat, um, especially, especially if they start getting what's neat about the Warhammer fantasy mechanic is once you get the upper hand, you can keep the upper hand if the dice are with you, and that can lead you to doing fantastic and cool things i think they're now like both the um i would say both or even even the pugilist the 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 villager turned boatman turned you know turned brawler more or less there's this mechanic that's kind of cool in warhammer fantasy where if you take out a uh, adversary with one blow then you can cleave to the next one and that was pretty cool when that happened for both marastra Reginald and um, and even Ulrich in that combat, so uh, they're pretty hoss, and it's definitely pretty cool. And I know it's not, eh, I don't know, it's not the Warhammer Fantasy Second Edition or First Edition that you're familiar with, but hey, it's pretty fun. Carl, I went to leave you a message and Anchor had 
deselected your podcast as something I followed. I had to find it again. Why is that, Carl? I don't understand, Mr. Carl Rodriguez. As far as Hawkeye being a Christmas show, yeah, Amy's right. Of course it is. It's a good show. Now, by the same criteria, of course, we need to look at Eaten Alive, also released as The Emerald Jungle, an Italian cannibal film, as a Christmas movie, because the Jim Jones cult leader sends an assassin to kill some folks that have left the cult, and one of those killings happens in New York in Christmas, right by a Santa Claus who's selling balloons. So this, you, you know, movie that most people find reprehensible with all kinds of horrible things in it, you know, obviously is a Christmas movie because, you know, one of the killings occurs during Christmas. So there you go. By the way, it would be negligent for me not to give a content warning for Eaten Alive. So if any Christmas movie completists who feel they have to watch all the Christmas movies or are interested in watching Eaten Alive, just be aware this is an Italian cannibal film. Now, it's the most entertaining of the Italian cannibal films because of subplots of um, Robert Kerman, you know, the actor from Debbie Does Dallas. He's the, the hero of this movie a former Vietnam vet who's taken a lady in to find her sister who's been taken by this Jim Jones cult in an area of the jungle with coldest. But there, there is lots of rapey stuff. There's lots of people getting eaten. And because Italian cannibal movies kind of took a lot of cues from the Mondo genre, there's a lot, lots of real animal violence in the movie, animals on animals and people killing animals. So be aware of that before you dive into the whole eating alive thing. Oh, by the way, uh, happy Groundhog Day as of this recording. It is February 2nd, uh, 2022. And yeah, cool stuff, Jason. I think those movies, I know you've given us those appropriate warnings, but those movies do sound interesting. And I need to add them to my Christmas movie watching collection, along with Die Hard and It's a Wonderful Life. And what's the other one? Something on... 31st, 2nd Street, Miracle on 31st Street, something like that. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a ton others. I, I do like Elf, but I really didn't like the ones with the guy from Home Improvement. Um, those weren't so fun for me. And I do like Christmas Vacation, but it's not as good as the original Vacation with Chevy Chase. So, and of course, A Christmas Story. But, uh, yeah, I might have to add those in and um, prepare to be shocked, I guess. It's kind of fun, Jason, that you have all these movies that I've never heard of, like, in your role, your mental Rolodex about on different genres. Um, it's kind of a neat, neat hobby uh, that you have um, watching these kind of older movies. So keep it up. I love the anecdotes. And I love the suggestions. Hey, 
Carl, four to one was an awesome episode, man. Uh, that was a really, really good, concise breakdown of the differences between Starfinder and Pathfinder. I've never really done like a full deep dive into the differences. So thanks a lot for that. That was awesome. Uh, your idea for the one ring or sorry for the war of the roses game sounds awesome, dude. It sounds way cooler than that other war of the rings rip off that people seem to like for some inexplicable reason. One ring. Yeah, it's not Merp, but it sounds really cool. I heard Arlen talk about it a bunch and yeah, it's definitely a game I want to check out. I'm glad it's out. Also, those two games that you ran lately, those sound metal as hell, man. Anyway, great stuff. Keep it up. Talk to you soon. Peace out. Hey, Joe. Thanks for the call. I believe you're thinking of Game of Thrones by George R.R. R. Martin. And again, I will say that I did enjoy the first one. It was a little different, and it was shocking at the end when... Ned Stark, one of the principal characters, was killed. But then George R.R. R. Martin seemed to have doubled down on that concept in the next set books, and to me, he jumped the shark when he killed uh, Rob at the Red Wedding. That, to me, was a little bit of jumping the shark, and um, I don't, maybe there's a lesson to be learned that Martin was trying to convey. Don't screw the phrase. I, I don't know. Be a man of your word and don't screw the phrase. So, yeah, it kind of annoyed me, and it was kind of it was downhill from that. And then the later books talk a lot about turtles and uh, Daenerys's uh, sexual exploits, which is concerning. Um, not, not in the same, you know, it's not like she does not have sex with turtles, of course, but he goes on a very long, I would say, is it, what's it called? It's called a tangent about turtles on the big river. So it's like you're, you're there on the Mississippi River talking about all the turtle species and how they're good to eat or not and their reproductive cycles. And then the whole Daenerys thing was annoying. So, yeah, um, again, I'm not going to... I don't know if my mini-campaign will... You know, you'll meet, like, the principles in the Lancaster versus York War, the Roses thing. But uh, at least the bone collectors should be kind of a neat. We'll see if the enemies get together or not. I think that's the big question. <laughs> that would be like the big, like what happens, like how in the players' minds, if, depending on how much they know about the War of the Roses, are they just going to like, there's my enemy, I have a chance to get him back for this disaster or that slight and are they just going to attack each other and ignore what's going on um, with the real bad guys or join together maybe temporarily to do that? Um, it should be kind of neat. I don't know. I definitely have to sit down and uh, be organized and, what's the word, diligent and not procrastinate about creating the characters and see how they fit in um, to the story. So I think, I don't know if I'll talk about it in this episode, but probably the next episode, the one before the 100th episode, I might talk about emergency stent in more detail. So yeah, I, I never thought that um, the Warhammer and the Jackals were metal, but maybe, you know, Frazetta style standing on the, on the pile of bodies is kind of metal, Death Dealer-ish. Um, 
Ace of Spades-ish, uh, Helion, Electrica-ish, um, what's the other, Metal Gods-ish. So yeah, pretty cool. Painkiller, the Painkiller-ish. So neat stuff, I think. What else did you comment about? Oh, the One Ring, yeah. I, I hope Arlen uh, brings it to the table and uh, offers it um, again in a time slot that fits my schedule or our schedule. It'll be fun to play with you guys all together in a game run by one of you guys. So, yeah, pretty cool. All right, now I'm going to talk about my experience at BSRCon. I was attracted to this online convention uh, through Jason Hobbs, who was, said he was going to run a game advertiser on a couple discords, and um, I've never played low fantasy gaming, and he was going to run a low fantasy gaming um, game that looked like it would work for my schedule. So, you know, I looked around, and then I kind of went to uh, the website and signed up and I think another draw for me was that um, the entry fee was a charity uh, donation to the Leukemia Lymphoma Society so you know something that that we do and we just haven't been able to do it with our crush foundation Amy and I right for a, we've done some charity work locally for cancer and for stroke uh, research and and for advocates as advocates for people who have had people in their families who have had those um, and we, because of COVID we haven't had been able to have a um, physical convention and we had an online convention some time ago and been wanting to get back into like this hybrid physical online and it, it was good to join a convention that was doing that and had a charity that they were supporting. So I'll definitely put uh, links in the show notes to Gaming and BS and the Leukemia Lymphoma Society, right? If you ever want to donate or join the um, Gaming and BS community. So anyway, I was able to join, and I when I kind of I would definitely got into uh, Jason's game, which is called Skinkhole Sinkhole. And I joined two other games, a game called Forget About It, and that is a, it was actually run by Sean P. Kelly, and it is a Savage World-based game, kind of a predecessor to the um, Wise Guys book, and I believe this was one of their first offerings that Eric uh, Lamaru gave for this kind of gangster setting so that's one game I played one should always there's stuff falling down all over the place back here hold on one should always play new games at a convention so the other two systems five torches deep and skinkhole sinkhole I had not played so um, what was cool so forget about it was a, a kind of a wise guys product using savage world's rules five torches deep run uh, and forget about it was run by sean p kelly so five torches deep is a 5e hack that 
uh, advertises that it is kind of goes back to an OSR feel um, for its the way the game runs and it was run by Robert Nemeth and this is uh, definitely going to be this is kind of a, a play test for something he wants to publish and now then of course Skinkle Sinkhole by run by Jason Hobbs who you all know from Hobbs and Friends and Random Screed and various discords and uh, low fantasy gaming he's also did this kind of as a play test and perhaps he'll publish it in the future for low fantasy gaming so yeah so um forget about it i try to keep these as spoiler free as possible so forget about it is kind of the premise is that we're a crew going to take uh, um, a rat to his burial place somewhere out in the desert and suffice it to say that all is not happy with the crew we all had it was kind of neat that sean gave us um little notes that we knew about things that could happen and it was up to you whether you wanted to bring them up or not so it ended up pretty cool um i think so three of us got away no three of us did not get away two two of the player characters were killed um because of all the shenanigans and three of us got uh, sent uh sent to jail and we all had we're able to have epilogues where whether we got out or not, we probably plead down to a lesser charge for what we were doing. Um, and my guy would kind of try to, after the events that ensued from this crew uh, job, um, he was trying to get away from the mob and ended up somewhere in, you know, one of the Dakotas at a, you know, running a, a boxing, uh, uh, a boxing gym. So, you know, it was it's kind of neat and what i think was cool about this adventure it can go in so many different direct directions so look it up um it is i think he they uh the author remade it for the latest incarnation of uh, savage world the suede edition um and you can find it on the drive-through so uh it's called forget about it so that was pretty fun so then uh, low fantasy gaming i played a dwarf Dwarven Zealot, which is like a priest, and a very the most uh, striking thing about uh, this game and how it compares to Five E, I mean, it runs like it ran like any other D and D game. We were met in a town, we had a job to do. Uh, the mage in the party had a map, and we were going to go explore this. And um, you know, we kind of did some stuff around town, found out some information, bought a cart um, and a and a mule or donkey because we had heard there's a lot of treasure where this treasure map led to and um yeah i think the most striking thing about the game and its comparison to 5e is that magic you have to roll for and if you fail your magic spell check then you you lose that spell um kind of like dc but a little harsher um and then and apparently uh the uh, the person who ran the game was using a variant or a, a home, sorry, house rule where it wasn't as harsh, but it was still, you know, pretty harsh that if you try to cast this, well, I mean, I guess it's not, you know, like fancy and fire and forget. So there was a chance that you can maintain the spell, but bad things can happen if you have a miscast, which is kind of, kind of cool. I think I, I didn't mind it so much. I think the rule as written might, be a little harsh because I think you if you fail you lose all your spells but I think 
the variation here was that if you fail this spell, you lose that spell. Now, you can, if you roll a natural one, which a couple people did during the game, uh, there was like a, like a chaos effect, like a miscast or chaos effect that happened. And I think because we kind of screwed around in town for a little bit, we didn't get to finish uh, the actual adventure. And there was a plan, maybe if our schedules work to continue. We did get to the tomb. Uh, there was evidence of a big reptilian creature that flew over and lizard folk maybe, or kobolds or something that had gone into the tomb. When we got into the tomb, there was like this uh, magic mouth or recording projection of the jackal, the person who set up the tomb. And if we were to solve the puzzles and get the treasure, we would be greatly rewarded. So it's kind of like a tricks trap heavy um, dungeon, it seems. And we did have a cool encounter with the skeletons that weren't skeletons, which was kind of neat. Uh, They're pretty brutal. And a couple of our characters got knocked to zero. And it looks like um, there's no like death save or anything. It's like one of those you turn the body around type of things and you got to roll uh, saving throw versus death to see if you're alive or not. Much like a lot of, um, I think, low, low fantasy gaming does that interestingly also. Uh, so um, so there's no like one, two, three death save like in a traditional 5e, traditional 5e. Like in 5e rules is written, there's a variant on that uh, when you go down to zero. So uh, interesting. Um, I don't know if I would go out and buy five torches deep. I like 5e and the way it runs. And um, and it's kind of cool. I think I ran two games that had like a that were like a 5e or had been have been advertised as a 5e variant. And the other game, like I said, was Skinkhole Sinkhole. So we start off. Um, so this is a hard sell, maybe as a published adventure. Honestly, we start you start off as prisoners and there's a whole intro where you're at a caravan and you're attacked and you run into the jungle and eventually you're caught and you're put in prison. You're put in, not in prison, you're put like in a pit um, and run by these skinks and lizard folk. Maybe there's several types of species, um, the skink-like and a bigger bruiser type kind of think, uh, think a Warhammer fantasy, a lizard, lizard men, the skinks and the, the big uh, trogars, I think, something like that. Or at least the warrior types, right? And uh, well, so something was happening, um, and it gave us a chance to escape. So I, I definitely, these will change around, and I think there's a randomness involved to what might happen and your day-to-day -day occurrence in the game. And I don't know if this is part of the adventure or this is kind of what Jason wanted to do for the convention. But something's happening that distracts the guards, and there's only one left. So, um, yeah, we take action. We try to jump up um, and take care of the single guard because there's four of us down in the pit. Uh, several of us climb up, and my character, I'm playing a monk, which I thought was kind of neat. They can dish out a lot of damage because they can attack twice, but they are definitely don't have as many hit points. And it, that was something that was kind of interesting to you. Well, no, I, I, my character was like, created as a first level character and later in the adventure I found out oh we're supposed to be third level which is interesting so he only had like nine hit points as written but later I found out oh no he's supposed to have it in his 20s but uh, anyway I, I was bold despite that and we took out the guard uh, we explored ahead and I, and I definitely as a convention game 
and I know one can be more bold at a convention style game, but I, I don't want to explore around. I want to get things done. And um, that's kind of my nature as a player. For the most part, usually sometimes just depends on hey, if there's another person in the group that has that mindset, then I am happy to you know, take a backseat and be like the follower type. But um, in this case, I feel like uh, they wanted to just explore the dungeon. No, we, our goal is to GTFO out of this prison situation. So we see that there are some guards further down. They haven't been alerted. So I kind of boldly stride forward and try to take him out. A large battle ensues with a like a, a creature um, that looks human from a distance, but is snake-like. So like imagine like a Yuan-Ti um, type of person who seemed to be a spellcaster as well. And apparently magic in the world of low fantasy gaming, the default world is kind of like taboo. So like I, I imagine we were a little freaked out by this, but uh, we take him down, although my character does drop and has to be like turned around and you can reroll that. I do like, I did like low fantasy gaming. I like the different options that you have in there. They have like a mighty deeds type option. I can't remember. I think it's called an exploit. I'm not sure. You have hero points that you can use for rerolls. So you actually have a, a, a pool of that and it can, it, it can, um, if during a short rest, uh, you have a chance to get some of that back or get back your signature ability. So mine was like some monk ability that, that I have to make my armor class better or make me faster or something like that. So I was able to get recover that. Again, I only thought I had one, but apparently since I was supposed to be third level, I had multiple, <laughs> but it worked out. Uh, it was cool, I think. Uh, so we kind of explored a little about after this big fight, which we won. Um, um, it was like a, a, a fight that seemed to be like, we started with two and then a giant snake came and then that woman spellcaster, that woman snake woman spellcaster came and then some more skinks came, but we defeated him, uh, recovered, took a rest, explored a little, came back around to the same place, fought some more skinks, but then eventually we found like, oh, in the big grotto that we initially found, saw that there was a way to get out and we did not look up. We had not looked up, <laughs> which is kind of funny and typical. You, you know, you even even in the real world you think two-dimensionally sometimes how many times does like the big bad come from the ceiling right um or the adversary come from the ceiling anyway we climb we climb up um I, we find our equipment because we had no equipment we find our equipment throughout all this time i thought it was a kind of neat mechanic that jason used to help for us to like have a chance to find our equipment um so by this time we have all have our equipment and then we kind of look over another part of this sinkhole which is like a pool and a grotto there's some of these uh hybrid snake people um out there like half human half snake i guess that's the way i feel they looked but there's a way we can get out of the sinkhole and i have my my 100 feet of silk rope so my character who's a monk and a, you know kind of has those skills like you can imagine monks can climb you know so uh so he starts his name is belka so he starts climbing um while the other characters hopefully we could do this quietly but some bad rolls ensue i do not fall down fortunately but i kind of kick some rocks and it, the, the creatures down below notice so there's like a ongoing fight while i'm trying to climb um they drive them off because they get some i think someone threw like a got a crit on a spear throw and killed one of them and they ran underneath probably trying to go through the tunnels and get to us the other way which was to our advantage honestly but i was able to climb up lower the rope and we got out of the sinkhole which was neat 
Um, it was very exciting. Uh, Jason runs a good game. There were some times where I feel like uh, we had to look things up. I mean, I've not played looking. Uh, look, I also want to say looking looking for group when I see say LFG, the acronym LFG, right? Joe Richter, the problem with acronyms. So um, we had to look some things up for low fantasy gaming. I had never played. Uh, I think a couple other people hadn't played. So, so we had to look those things up. Um, but we got out. And now it becomes, I think, the second phase of the adventure is like a hex crawl where we're trying to go to various locations. And we're like, we want to go back to the side of the ambush because some people had some missions, or some rumors that they knew about, and some missions. So we were going to do that. But before we can get very far, and it's like raining and there's a storm going on, we are ambushed by these carnivorous apes. Everyone always has apes, carnivorous apes that attack us when, you know, in real life, Gorillas are vegetarians, right? We should be attacked by chimpanzees, which are crazy, vicious, omnivorous creatures that want to take our spot as a dominant um, primate um, in this world, right? So, um, yeah, we always get, in games you always get attacked by gorillas, um, and gorillas are kind of not so hostile necessarily. Anyway, that's kind of one of those a topic for another time. Or real world versus uh, fantasy world uh, conceptions. I think I think there was a big discussion in a couple of the podcasts about armor, so you can check those out. Um, and but um, yeah, it was a really fun time then at BSRCon. I got to play a couple of games I hadn't played before. I think I was impressed by uh, low fantasy gaming. Not so thrilled with uh, Five Torches Deep again. No fault of the. The game masters because they were really good at what they were doing and presenting the the game um, as the you know as the rules dictated. So um, and of course I do like Savage Worlds. I have the Wise Guys product, and I was telling my wife Amy, who's also a Savage Worlds fan, we got to do some Wise Guys, get some of this nineteen uh, sixties Las Vegas gangsta stuff going, um, a mob stuff going, I guess. Or I guess you could be well, the cool thing about the Wise Guys product. You don't have to just be Italian ethnic mob. You can, there's other, you know, you could be any of those players that would be, have been in Vegas in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, today, whatever. So it's a really kind of neat, um, neat uh, Savage Worlds world book, I guess, is uh, or genre play. So um, it's a pretty cool, so good times um, all. Uh, that's my BSRCon experience, and yeah, I'll uh, stop now, and TJ Drennan, who does the music, will close us out, and Amy has done the cover art, the new cover art for the Geomologist Presents, so I'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one.